0: My name is Gabrielle Barnes from the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled at the Library of Congress. I'm here with Alice O'Reilly from our Materials Development section, and today we'd like to talk about advancements in audio and tactile materials that enhance our readers' experience. Hi, Alice. Tell us about NLS and what you do there. Tell you about NLS? Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I've worked
1: at NLS for about uh, 14 years. And when I got there, we had just started with the digital talking book machine. And now, um, you know, we have uh, developed lots of new interesting technologies that have helped our readers have access to um, accessible content. And the best part about our um, organization and my job, particularly, is that we always get to keep thinking about new ways to bring accessible content to our patrons. So there's always um, some new idea or maybe a creative suggestion. We get ideas from all over the place, from patrons, from Librarians from just an offhand comment of wouldn't it be cool if we could, you know, do these things and then fun part about our job in materials development division is that, you know, we get to take those wouldn't it be cool moments and turn them into practical things that are going to let our patrons have access to some of the most interesting content in some of the most complete ways. So, um, in the Materials Development Division, we uh, kind of co- encompass the whole production side of the house. So, we've got librarians who are selecting the content. I know you did an interview with Dominic, who's the head of the Collection Development Section. They're selecting the content. They're choosing the books who are most interesting to our patrons. We kind of replicate, I think, a, a mid-sized public library. So there's a lot of, you know, interesting things from bestsellers to how tos You know, we like to really hear from patrons. If you've got a patron suggestion, it's very exciting for the librarians to know that they're meeting someone's, you know, request. Um, And then we also work with our network of cooperating libraries, and they provide us with a lot of ideas about what's going to work for their readers. One of the most kind of challenging parts um, for our library is that we don't just serve a local space, but we serve a national space. And so we have a collection that needs to represent those national interests. And I think our librarians do an amazing job um, finding things that are interesting to people who like to um, really dig into some kind of more complex content and people who just like to have a relaxing read. So we work to develop a comprehensive collection that um, is interesting to people who, um, you know, from all all kinds of readers. Um, And then our BCS collect group is the other half of our library Um, work staff and they are the people who really put the tags on things so you can find them. We always say that um, discoverability is the new accessibility because if you have a bunch of books but you can't find them, you might as well not have any books. So we rely on BCS to catalog that content and make sure that there is, you know, you can find it and that um, you can use the Voyager system and that patrons and librarians are able to discover what's new. Um, discover maybe uh, new titles that new a series. Um, so, we put do a lot of work about making sure that everything is cataloged correctly and in our Voyager system so that it's discoverable to our patrons and our librarians. And then we we'll move into kind of a different part of the life cycle, something that you might not see at a, at a traditional print library, which is the production control section. And this organization, this group inside our. our um, Our workflow is responsible for the um, transforming of the print or the ebook material into something that is accessible. So they do deal with the contracting and they deal with the contractors and the um, people who are the narrators, or maybe they wrap it up, uh, wrap up a commercial book into a DTB, or maybe they create the braille, or they create the magazine, or, you know, they're in charge of turning all of our. Um, print and audio things into what we have in our library, our NLS content, and so they um, have all of those relationships and manage all of those contracts and manage all of those delivery orders and make sure everything gets done on time and and is done appropriately and paid for and all the things that we have to do um, on the business side. And then when it comes back, we have our quality assurance section that makes sure that everything was done correctly. And they um, have an amazing understanding of um, both what should have happened and you know what's possible. So, because they read all of the books and they review all of the books and they um, understand the construction of a book like digitally and they understand how a navigation uh, could happen or should happen. There's lots of um, conversations that happen and um, really a deep understanding about what's possible and how NLS can improve uh, the creation of a digital talking book, but also how to create something that's going to be kind of like an understandable read for our patrons. And we also have Braille uh, quality assurance people there. Uh, They make sure that the Braille is readable and that the cells are perfect and um, that everything is um, appropriate for our patrons. And so you get the highest quality service and the best product. Wow.
0: Wow. That is a I know it's so much (laughs) (laughs) like a
1: thousand wheels moving
0: and they're all
1: so interesting. I can't get over how much I enjoy, you know, every every aspect of the the entire workflow.
0: Wow. So let's let's go back to the audiobooks because that's one of the one of the different formats you mentioned. Um in the past Mm -hmm. years, those audiobooks have have exploded in popularity. So how has the popularity digital audio Um, change the work that you do through that whole workflow? Sure.
1: So, um, gosh, maybe like seven or eight years ago, um, we decided to reach out to some of the uh, bigger audiobook producers. You know, we had also seen the trend in in the world that audiobooks were becoming really popular, and we were noticing that we were kind of, like, recreating the wheel when it came to a lot of these bestsellers or a lot of the audiobooks that you were able to buy on Audible or you could download for, you know, any of the devices that that people use now to kind of, like, access um, commercially their audiobooks. And so we were thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great if we could partner with these uh, producers who are already creating this content and see if we could create a relationship where they would be willing to provide us with the content that they had already created so that we could um, protect it. You know, we wrap it up in our DRM and make it available in specialized format only to our patrons. And we were super lucky because we really had um, a great opportunity and so many people were willing to participate with us and partner with us to bring this amazing content to our patrons. Um, and I'm, so it's very interesting because, you know, we were paying a lot, obviously, to have this content made. So we get to kind of recoup that money to make some content that otherwise wouldn't be made in an audiobook format. Um, but we also were able to make things timely, which I think can't be overstated when you're used to having to wait until a print book comes out and then have that book narrated, and then have that book QA'd, and you know, all of the steps that have to go through to create um, something from the print to an audio format. Now we kind of short-circuited a lot of those uh, time limits that we were dealing with before, so we can do uh, releases much closer to the print book release, the audio book release. So we're kind of leveraging what's available commercially to make our patrons um, give them more content, because, you know, we get it at, at no cost and also to um, make a more timely content so you guys, everyone, all of our patients are able to read things at the same time that it's released in the commercial market, which I think is a really great opportunity for us to be a, a much more dynamic library who's bringing things to people in a timely way, but also to um, bring things, a wide variety of things. So we're able to use all of the money that we don't spend doing those bestsellers and turn it into things like cookbooks or you know poetry books or things that might be a little bit more difficult to create in an audio format. A lot of the audio that's created commercially Still has print content, though, and I think that that's one of the things that analysts are uh, looking at, kind of expanding what the idea of an accessible audiobook is. So, um, a lot of audio content is made for sighted people, predominantly. So, you know, there might be like recipes in the back, or maybe there's like um, some graphs in the back. I know there's a lot of books that include, you know, supplemental material. Um, but unfortunately, it's in a PDF, and and then the expectation is that you'll be able to go get that PDF and read it. Um, but what we're finding is we have the opportunity to, because we have a studio in house, and but we also have like um, we have some kind of institutional knowledge about how to create um, accessible content. So we're able to um, take the fantastic narration that's been provided to us by our um, commercial partners, but then use our knowledge to go into the studio with the PDF Narrate the recipes, you know, narrate, um, maybe describe the images if there's something that's really important, or um, describe the graph if they're giving you like a chart about how, how and when you should do certain things related to the content that's in the audiobook. And so we're able to narrate that separately. Knit it together with the audio content that's available commercially, and then present to our patrons this kind of complete accessible audiobook. So I think that um, now that we have this kind of space to think about what accessibility really means, it's not just an audiobook, but it's like having access to all the pieces of the audiobook. And I think that that's one of the more kind of exciting things that we're finding we're able to do um, when we start thinking about, oh, I have this thing have this great book, but unfortunately it has the supplemental content rather than just leaving it by the wayside or not doing the book because we know that part of it's inaccessible. We're thinking, oh, let's make this an accessible book. Let's use the powers that we have and the knowledge that we have and the resources and the talents that we have in our office to turn it into something that's much more accessible for our patrons.
0: I, I hear you. I, and I think a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense because these audio books, um, a lot of times they'll have you know illustrations or um, right have they'll have you know or, or something like a graphic novel. That's something that uh-huh. generally is not going to get done. So is that something that would fall under um, the you know these other books that otherwise wouldn't be made that that NLS is starting to do um, and and starting to expand into because you have this commercial audio available.
1: The graphic novels are an interesting idea we would like to um yes we want to be able to produce all of the content that is possible for our patrons and the graphic novels are a particular challenge because describing the scenes is such a critical part of creating, you know, that accessible version of a graphic novel. I know Neil Gaiman's putting out an accessible graphic novel, an audio graphic novel, later this summer. And so we're really looking forward to that and kind of understanding how that's being done. Uh, We really like to look at what other people are doing, you know, best practices in the audiobook industry and kind of, you know, leverage other people's knowledge, but also working with the publishers of the graphic novels because a lot of times they have um, maybe written scripts for each other to kind of describe how um, how a scene might be or something like that. So we're we're kind of going back to the source when it comes to the graphic novels and seeing if there isn't an opportunity for us to, to figure out a more um, – basic way to to describe these images uh and and but the graphic novels yeah they're they're a real challenge for us but i think that that's some one that's going to be very rewarding once we kind of crack that nut
0: nice nice so i guess this is kind of the way that um nls goes from taking what uh, you know essentially is the regular commercial audiobook and really making it accessible um and Mm -hmm. also free so we're we're Creating an experience for our patrons that is as close as possible to the sighted um, readers um, and doing that with a lot of different content so that that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of our fundamental obligation to, to make as many things as possible available. But I'm always interested in making sure that patrons have can read what they want in the format they want it. And I think that part of that, I mean, we've been talking about audio, but I think Braille also is part of that. You know, I know that you did an interview with Tamara Rory about the e-reader, the Braille e-reader. And we've been talking, Tamara and I have cubicles next to each other. So we, you know, talk over the wall all the time about how we could do things or wouldn't it be great? You know, there's a lot of brainstorming that kind of goes on in those close quarters or what used to be close quarters. We haven't seen each other in a while. But um, (laughs) one of the things we were thinking about is the way that um, braille books have tactile graphics, some braille books, you know, if the print book had a tactile graphic that was kind of essential to the story and the producer um, did it, you know, everyone understood that that's what we were going to do, then then some tactile graphics can be included in braille books. And we were talking about how you were going to lose that tactile graphic moment when we went to the e-reader because the e-reader can't render those tactile graphics. And then we started thinking about it, like, you know, expanding the ring. And, that, and I was thinking about how, like, an audiobook might benefit also from a TACAL graphic. And then it just happened that there, one of our collection development librarians got um, just a note from a patron who was really happy to get the science book. But he said, wouldn't it be great if, if there could be a graphic that went with this audiobook? He wasn't a Braille reader, but he had then um, decided, left his site later in life. And he uh, really wanted to get an idea about what this picture meant, you know, and he thought that if he had a tactile graphic with the audio book, that that would be something that would be really beneficial to him to understanding what this kind of like more complex scientific idea was. And so we've been kind of kicking these ideas around and realizing that there might be this opportunity for us to really expand the idea of like what this accessible content is, and then, but also like make it not... Um, kind of dependent on how you're reading it. Like you couldn't get, you don't have to be a braille reader and get the braille book in order to have access to that tactile graphic. You could be getting it braille, you could be a braille reader, get the e-reader, and then want to have access to that or be an audio reader and want to have access to that. So we started thinking about tactile graphics as the severable product, you know, something that you could have as as an add-on, you know, as something where, the best example that I can ever think of is Game of Thrones, right? It's a huge book, and it's like a million Braille volumes. And But there's one map, and it spans all of these volumes. So you really just need this one piece of tactile graphics to be used across all of these volumes, which would be fantastic, especially if you want to read it on your e-reader. So if you could get that map separately, that would be really useful. But you might also want that map if you're an audiobook reader. So I think that... Um, The way that we are trying to think of um, supplemental content and ways that we can offer things to our patrons that maybe you know, um, just a a bookstore might not have that same type of material like an audio, an audible, as great as they are and as much content as they have available, I would like for us to be able to offer some um, additional things that are meaningful to our patrons. And I think things like this tactile graphics um, is an opportunity for us to really say, you know, we understand that this makes the reading experience much more comprehensive. We understand that you have a lot of different ways that you can consume content. And we want to make sure that whatever format you choose, you get the most complete experience. And um, so I think that ideas like this, that we're able to kind of like um, work through together, but then also you know receive input from patrons and receive input from like, um, we have some committees that help us make decisions and we go talk to like user, user groups and stuff and understand what's possible. Uh, those types of decisions I think are gonna um, kind of move us forward in a much more comprehensive way. And that's gonna create a library that meets a multitude of needs.
0: So it's really, it really sounds like you all are closing the gap where it comes to both um, the audio and Braille content um, with these added pieces, um, the tactile graphics in particular. Um, For the apps and for the um, e-reader, those are things that you're creating that people can take on the go. What improvements um, are you making in apps, in delivery methods, in Um, in accessible Braille that um, makes uh, NLS's content even more accessible for people who are using technology in that way?
1: I think one of the most um, compelling things to me is the way that the books are marked up, um, the way that you can jump around inside a book, the way it kind of replicates that print book experience. I mean, linear reads are great, and I do it all the time. You know, start to finish, listen for eight hours, something like that. But I think that what makes our um, books and our app and our kind of understanding of the way that patrons wanna read is that um, if you want to jump by chapter, if you wanna read a cookbook and you wanna jump by ingredient, You know, if you want to be able to navigate in a kind of like really complex way um, or even a semi-complex way, uh, you know, I think that NLS puts the effort in and we partner with our producers um, to create content that is accessible in a uh, really compelling way. So it gives you lots of ways to move through a book and it gives you lots of ways to kind of explore the content and it gives you um, a kind of like a bigger, more kind of, you get to really dig into it in the way that you want to. Um, So I think that that, for me, is the most, when it comes to, like, the apps and the e-reader, or, um, you know, like, the different technologies, I think that that's, to me, still the most interesting part is the way that we leverage the digital moment to replicate that print book experience so you can make it your own.
0: Great, great. And these accessible formats, then, are... All uh, the digital versions um, being mm-hmm. made available through uh, Bard, the Braille and audio reading download. Um, yes, right. Yeah, access that immediately on their own, right? Uh-huh, right. Exactly. Yeah. You can just go to Bard, and I
1: think the application is simple, and you're able to get that um, book uh, that moment. Especially if you're on your on your phone, you just have to um, get the application. You know, make your application become a, a Bard. Members, so you can sign in and then it's an easy download. And I know that they're putting so much effort in. We just had a meeting today to, um, and our engineers were talking about all the effort that they're putting into making sure that the updates are interesting, you know, like solid and and making sure that um, that the BARD app is something that our patrons is it's really usable for our patrons. So I know a lot of um, creative and technical energy is going towards that and making sure that it's something that is going to be useful now, but also into the future.
0: Great. And for those who are listening, who want to hear a little bit more about BARD, um, listen out for our conversation with Don Olson, who gives um, information and updates about the BARD mobile app and also about BARD Express. Um, and we're we're definitely looking out for New technology that that NLS is creating. So are there any big ideas um, on the horizon that NLS is either working on or thinking about, you know, just brainstorming for the future?
1: yeah sure we um we're super lucky because we've got some great technical minds in our office creative people who are always kind of looking at what's possible but also who um are looking at what the commercial market is using and seeing how that's something that we can um we can kind of integrate into what we're working on and i I think that everyone under thinks that it's texas or um the uh voice control is the new you know it's the wave of the future it's probably the wave of now actually but what we're looking at is ways that our patrons can um, in the future, you know, in our next device, or, you know, at at some point, um, be able to just um, access their their books that they want to read using their voice control. Um, There's a lot of interesting ideas around searching and how to access, um, access a catalog and find what you're looking for. And I think that that's, that's one of the most kind of like, um, complex things that we're working on. It doesn't seem like the technology is, is the most difficult part, but it's rather to develop that usability. And I'm always so impressed at how much effort our technical teams are putting into designing something that is really going to be useful, that it's not going to have a huge learning curve, and that's going to get you what you want quickly with minimal frustration. I, you know, I wish that most technical, more technical people were interested in kind of minimizing that frustration um, hurdle. Um, but I know that our, our groups are always working on finding out, making sure that users are, are at, the, at the beginning and the end of the conversation. You know, how are people going to be able to use this? Is this going to be something that, that people are going to want to use, that people are going to feel like is a value to them? Um, so I know that we're having those conversations now and trying to figure out what our next steps are in that. And so I would just say, you know, we've got a, a bright future of technolo- technological change and um, you know we're trying to keep up with with what's happening out in the commercial world but I think that moving into the future you can always expect some great technological changes and updates from NLS you know we're not just a, a book library but we're also a, a technology provider too so we, we try to keep both ends of that up
0: wonderful um, yeah I see that NLS really has a long history of um, leveraging our technology to benefit our patrons so it makes sense that the next steps would really follow um like you said follow those trends and even sometimes mm-hmm. the trends um as we're as we're going along yeah that's another interesting kind of part
1: about our patron base is that you know we have such a diverse group um that it, to serve all of our patrons is, is such a uh, kind of like an interesting challenge. Um, but I think that our, um, our librarians are doing it really effectively from book selection side. And, and I think our technologists are, are also doing a great job making sure that we remember the kind of variety, you know, the, the, real, the real variance um, amongst people, um, people who really love to use technology, you know, of like the bleeding edge technologists and people who maybe are less comfortable with that. So I think that it's it's a really important thing to recognize that we serve a huge number of people and who feel very differently about a lot of the the things that are available to them. But we really um, consider everyone to be important.
0: Great, great. So for anyone listening um, who may not currently be a patron, we want to encourage Mm -hmm. you to visit our website. Um, you can go to www.loc.gov forward slash NLS. And there you can find all sorts of information. Um, the books that, uh, that Alice has been talking about today. Um, you can find more resources that we have available online. And uh, if you'd like to sign up for um, either to get your BARD mem- um, applications turned in, or if you'd like to um, contact your library, um, or if you need to sign up, if you're not yet a patron, you can do all of that on our website. The other way you can contact us is through our 800 number. It's one nls read which in your numbers is one 657 7323 And there you'll be directed to a local cooperating library that can assist you with any of these different topics that we've discussed today. So Alice, do you have any final thoughts as we close out for today? I'm going to give a quick plug to all of our network
1: cooperating libraries because no matter who, you know, if you're not yet a patron or maybe you are thinking about it, um, you know, you're going to have such a great opportunity to work with these libraries, these local libraries, you know, each state has one. And so they're really going to care about what you want to read. We've got reader advisors, you know, people actually answer the phone. It's a really great service and you're going to get you know, you, it's a really wonderful way. You can have self-service. You know, you don't have to talk to anybody if you don't feel like it. But sometimes, you know, the best part about going to that library moment was to, you know, talk to the librarian and see what's new and find out if there's anything. If you liked this book, you might like this one. And I think that it's, um, you know, we have really amazing reader advisors who are dedicated to helping people find the next great read. And um, I would encourage you to call them and um, give it. just let them know what you're interested in it, and they would love to help you find out what's what's new in the library, or maybe what's old in the library. You know, maybe some classics that you loved before, or maybe that you never read. So, uh, reader advisors in our network libraries are really amazing, and they would love to help you.
0: Awesome, Alice! Thank you so much for taking your time today. We appreciate. You.
1: Thank you. I love to talk about the National Library Service. <laughs> so, everyone,
0: please be sure to follow the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled on Facebook. And if you're interested in hearing more about NLS services and collections, make sure you're listening out for the conversations about our Braille e-reader project with Tamara Rory, about the ins and outs of the NLS collection with Dominic Spinelli, and updates to the BARD mobile app and BARD Express with Don Olson. Thanks for listening to NLS on ACB Radio.